1: Hey PPC friends, it's another episode of PPC Rockstars. And today's Rockstar is a new one for us. Very smart guy named Kirk Williams, who's the founder of a PPC agency called Zato, Z-A-T-O. Welcome Kirk.
2: Hey well I appreciate it.
1: Are a prolific author, great articles, some really groundbreaking stuff, so I encourage our listeners to follow you on Twitter or your favorite social network. You've written for what publications?
2: Search Engine Land, PPC Hero, WordStream, Melissa Mackey's Beyond the Paid, YouMoz, one or two others in there probably.
1: Wow, that's quite a slate. And seriously, folks, this guy writes excellent tips and techniques, and you should tune in. So today, the expertise that we're going to tap into is Kirk's explanation of Google shopping campaigns. Does this pertain to Google and Bing ads, Kirk? Yes.
2: Yeah, it okay. does. Bing has done really an awesome job, I think, of making it so that you can import things pretty easily and maintain a consistent
1: approach. So, cool.
2: yeah, it works with both.
1: Okay. So, where do we start when we want to set up a great shopping campaign?
2: Yeah. So in, you know, in my opinion, basically one of the biggest things is someone might hear this because it does take a bit of work and someone might hear it and say, oh, okay, that sounds fun. I'm, I'm glad that you're excited about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep doing my thing with my one campaign, my, you know, maybe my one ad group with 20,000 uh-huh. products or whatever. And so I think one of the biggest things is to really understand just the way that, that shopping works is Even though Google is doing all the work on the back end of finding queries and that, and you're just bidding on your product, there still is that search aspect of queries and query intent that is at play there. You just no longer have control over it like you do in normal search campaigns where you can bid according to keywords, right? So because of that, as we all know, different keywords generally do have different levels of intent. That's why we're willing to bid differently on them in many ways. So I think... The key is to understanding, you know, hey, we need to be able to not just set a max CPC for the product and then let Google or Bing determine these are all of the queries, however general or, or however specific intent they're going to be. If we can start controlling that a little bit better, so we can actually start setting bids based upon the query intent, then really we can start going after some of those better queries where our competition is just. They just have their normal bid set. Maybe they're blowing a bunch of the budget on their product as general queries so we can actually preserve our budget for specific, more conversion-friendly queries. So that's kind of the why. And then the how is a little bit complicated and probably a little difficult to do on on the radio. So right. I did write a post on that.
1: <laughs> Where is that?
2: I, it's, uh, it's at Search Engine Land. Okay. Um, and, shoot, whenever I look for it, I usually just... Google search engine Mm -hmm. lands query level bidding on shopping or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So Martin Rodgerdine, I believe that's how you say his name. If not, and you're listening, I apologize, Martin, but he's over in Berlin and he's kind of the first one who he did a video. I think he was at a marketing festival on this strategy. And so basically, I mean, the real quick gist of it is that you're basically taking some of those new shopping controls when Google switched things over. And in, in I think 2013 to shopping from the older PLA format, they gave us a little bit more control with things like priority levels and so now we can take campaigns and kind of bundle like two or three campaigns for let's say a specific brand of product Mm -hmm. and using priority levels and negative keyword to filter to send the queries into the right places shared budgets and then bidding so kind of using those four things you can create kind of this strategy that lets you determine in this campaign I want my generic queries to be and then I I can bid really low so that it's not sapping all my budget. And then I can start targeting more of like my brand terms, or even, you know, sometimes you'll have products where people often search for the exact shoe model or what have you. If you can throw that into a third campaign, then you can bid that sky high because you know that in this campaign, the only people coming are bidding so specifically that the chances of them converting are very high. And, and mm-hmm. that does, that really does come through too. I mean, you'll see as you, as you run it, if you set up correct and have everything running, you really will see that definitely a lot higher conversion rate on those SKU campaigns and all that. So that's that's kind of the very 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 quick cliffs notes um, uh, version of that. So okay,
1: so you're you're uh, recommending setting up uh, different campaigns for different products and different intents.
2: Yeah. So so basically, um, there's going to be um, you're going to have let's say two or three campaigns, and they're all going to have the same. Um, the same products, maybe you're going to split that up by brand or category. There's some flexibility. Mm -hmm. But even if, you know, just maybe for the sake of simplicity, let's just say that this one campaign is focused on this one product. And so for just that Nike shoe, let's say, you're allowing that top campaign that's been really low that's going to catch all your generic queries so they're kind of all hitting that campaign and then you actually exclude your brand and your skew terms in it which doesn't make sense since those are your valuable ones usually but um you exclude those in that high priority campaign and that allows those to not get caught up in that first one and then they they are eligible to be shown then for your next priority level which um is not getting all of those generic terms cause they're getting caught in that top one. Um, and then, so then you know that, Hey, this middle one, then the only queries hitting it are my brand, our brand queries. So no longer is it eligible to show up for if someone types in tennis shoe, right. But now it's, it's just going to be eligible. You know that it's just Nike shoe terms, brand terms that are hitting mm-hmm. that middle one. And therefore, because of that, um, you can you can bid a little higher knowing that there's a little bit closer to buying intent. The person the person knows a little bit more of what they want to and, and potentially there's more value there is the idea.
1: So how do you tell Google which product you want the ad to show for? Is it a matter of using keywords or is it a matter of huh. choosing from a list from that comes from the feed?
2: Yeah, so that's where shopping. It takes more finagling, I think, because because there's not keywords in shopping. Um, you know, which there could be, by the way. I don't. I don't see why they couldn't make you how to target with both the feed mm-hmm. and the keyword. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I I don't know. You know, the only thing I I, I think last year at HeroConf, I was chatting with one of the the Googlers there, and they were like, Yeah, we probably won't have keywords in shopping <laughs> anytime soon, if ever. I, I don't remember exactly what he said, but I didn't have my hopes up that that was anywhere close to something that they were interested in pursuing. <laughs> but so because of that, that's part of why in some ways you got to do something crazy to try to get them into the right queries, right? right? And so that's where probably a lot of like feed optimization can help where you're trying to get, you know, maybe for some of those top keywords, if, if people are really searching for those, you want to make sure that those are in your titles or your descriptions your product type, your categories. So making sure your feed is optimized for that product. And then also that's, I think, as you said, that's kind of where negative keywords work in as well. You know, you can try different, especially sometimes for generic queries, I'll have, let's say two shoes and both of them are running for the query by tennis shoe. And maybe one shoe over time shows me that, hey, this just does not convert at all. And the other one shows that it does. You know, I might throw in negative keyword into that non-converting shoe to try to force the queries over. That's where you start okay. to get into the weeds of shopping, though, because <laughs> because negative keywords don't work between product groups, they work between ad groups. So if you right. want to do that, then they have to be separated by ad groups. and <laughs> it goes from there. Right. It's pretty complicated.
1: Hey, hey look, um, we've got to pause for some sponsor messages. Let's go back into the weeds when we get back.
0: PPC Rockstars. We'll be back after we click through our sponsors.
3: Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjordj, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's f j o r g e digital.com. It's time to take your ad testing out of the Mesozoic era and into the eZoic era. eZoic is the world's first machine learning platform, creating tailor ad combinations to monetize your website. Our automated ad testing not only boosts ad income, but increases page views, improves bounce rate, and will impress the user experience. Start your 30-day free trial today at eZoic.com and join thousands of publishers who are already earning 60% more with eZoic, that's EZOIC.com. EZOIC. Make your website smarter. EZOIC is a Google certified publishing partner. Money doesn't grow on trees.
0: So you'll probably have a better chance of growing your business with cranberries. What? Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. The pursuit of PPC continues. Welcome back to PPC Rockstars. Here's your host, David Zatella.
1: And we are back with Kirk Williams, uh, PPC genius, founder of Zato, a PPC agency, Zato. And we're talking about shopping campaigns and specifically set up and the use of different uh, controls. Uh, we just covered negative keywords and uh, it. It's true that one can look at search query reports for shopping campaigns, right yes, yep, okay, so that's that's maybe the best way to find potential negative keywords,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I think so. Probably your main ways of finding negative keywords will be probably the same between shopping and search. So there's one thing worth pointing out, though, just because there is a huge difference between shopping and text ads in terms of uh, shopping ads, you actually can show up multiple times for the same SERP for the same query. So there's kind of this, I mean, I haven't figured out the perfect balance. There's there's kind of this balance of if, if you can show up five times there for that one query, so five of your products are in there, and you're you're making sure then that some of your competition isn't showing, you're giving more options, you know, that's a good thing, of course. But then as we talked about before, well, if that one product doesn't work for that query, then you might want to exclude it. If you exclude it, are you giving competition another slot there in that query? So that's something to keep in mind with negative queries and shopping that is different than text ads for sure.
1: Yeah, that's important. Hey, how about bit modifiers? Can we use bit modifiers with shopping campaigns?
2: You can in terms of, yeah, like geo, I think kind of the normal ones, geo and time, remarketing, and yeah. Device. Device, yeah, yeah.
1: Cool, okay, that helps. Another question is, or let's talk about the fact that recently Google rolled out a feature that lets us apply remarketing audiences to shopping campaigns. So it's kind of like remarketing lists for search ads, but applied to a non-search thing. Mm -hmm.
2: Yes. Yeah. I love that. I've run remarketing for my shopping campaigns and kind of compared those two and seen just insanely crazy results, like just, just way better conversions. Here were the stats just in one, in one client that I had, we saw for the same brand, like the same time period. So everything else is the same. But just the difference between those who were returning with shopping and those that were new. I saw like a 350% increase in return on ad spend. Nice. And like it was like a 588% increase in conversion rate. I don't know. That might be a little bit of an outlier, but overall, I absolutely see better results, which kind of makes sense, right? It's you're basically taking. People who have been there. I mean, shopping is a CSE, it's a comparison shopping engine. So Mm -hmm. it is very likely that people who were out there and searching around are interested in coming back. So, absolutely, some of those people coming in in the RLSA shopping could have had the intent of coming back. But I really jacked my bids up for RLSA for shopping too to make sure hey, because I knew that they were. There before I want to make sure that I am top of, mm-hmm. of mind if they're searching again, and I think that absolutely helps in that. So,
1: so what's a range of increases in bid prices that you apply to the audience?
2: Mm-hmm. Some of that works into the question of do you pull out RLSA from your normal shopping campaigns or keep it in there too? Right. Mm-hmm. So, are we talking about a new bid or a bid modifier? I tend to prefer pulling my RLSA out just. It partially because as we've observed, they're separate audience in a sense. They just act and they convert so differently that I just, I like keeping those different. Plus I'm not a huge, huge fan of random bid modifiers all over the place that is easy to forget. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, you can control a budget. So if you have a limited budget, if you, if you pull into its own campaign, then worst comes to worst and you get to the end of the month and you have to pull back on something, you can at least keep the RLSA for shopping going. So kind of to get back and answer your question, um, Man, I'm trying to think, but, you know, maybe I'll raise prices, maybe percentage wise, I'm about 25, 35, maybe even 50% higher willing to go that high. Again, just because, I mean, if I'm seeing, if you're seeing that big of of a jump in ROAS, I'm definitely willing to lose a little bit of my margin with higher bids just because... Get the volume. you You do, you get them, you know, you get them back, at least from what I've seen so far.
1: Make it up in volume. (laughs) hey uh, let's see can an advertiser apply flexible bid strategies to shopping campaigns let's say for example one that's kind of obvious which is spend automated bidding
2: yeah so i am going to have to play the fool there honestly Uh so i i've not done a lot with flexible bid strategies to be honest with you some of that is a volume thing so i tend to work with Small. And it's somewhat known, especially once you get past some of the manual bidding and that volume is such an important part of that. So I'm gonna be perfectly honest. I actually don't know the answer to that that question just because I pretty much stick with more of a manual bid optimization. I I do utilize optimizer to help with my bidding as well, but I haven't I haven't done anything with the flexible bid strategies for shopping. So
1: good product, optimizer. I'll tell you from my experience, all of the Automated bid management tools within AdWords do much better, perform much better with volume, with a lot of conversions over a period of time, especially return on ad spend, automated bid management. It needs a lot of data, especially when there's a high degree of variability between average order value
2: and I've tried, like, I've tried different things, Target CPA and that, and I've just not really personally seen it enough after a little experiment to really go into it more. But again, you know, even I think one time, you know, one of those things where Google reps like, man, you really got to try this. So, okay, I'll try it. But even, you know, we were discussing it afterwards. And even then, I think they admitted as well, if memory serves me, volume definitely is such a big part critical, of that, yeah um, which, which well. is fine. That makes sense.
1: Here's a little tip for you and the listeners, and that is sometimes it's worthwhile to measure micro conversions, smaller conversions, in order to have the volume that Google needs in order to do a good job with automated bid management. So, for example, if the traditional conversion is the download of a white paper, um, you might make the a, a new conversion event just getting to the page where the, the download might occur. Obviously, that's inaccurate, but… It could be enough to get the Google algorithm to work much better to regulate bids. You see what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, especially for lead gen. Yeah, have have you tried that a lot with e-commerce or or not as much? Mostly with lead gen.
1: With lead gen, I always use Target CPA automated bidding, oh, okay. and it works really well with a large volume of conversions. E-commerce, I, I, I prefer return on ad spend automated bidding. It doesn't work at all with, with low volumes. Mm-hmm. And part of the problem is average order value, the range of prices for products, etc. But if you have, obviously, if you have a high flow of revenue of sales, then uh, return on ad spend bidding can work really well. Mm-hmm. Do you know if Google posts
2: anywhere what they would recommend as like w- what an account should be hitting in terms of sale numbers in that? I'm curious.
1: Well, I'm going to hold off telling you that until we get back from more sponsor messages. <laughs> so, keeping you in suspense, stay with us and you'll hear the answer.
0: PPC Rockstars. We'll be back after we click through our sponsors. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for
3: eBrands. Jamming and spamming.
0: Cashing in the clicks. SEO is always in session. Only on Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. The pursuit of PPC continues. Welcome back to PPC Rockstars. Here's your host, David Zetella.
1: And we are back in the home stretch with Kirk Williams of Zedo, and we've been talking about shopping campaigns. We've segued into automated bid management, and Kirk just asked me whether Google has a recommendation for any kind of minimum for return on ad spend automated bidding, whether Google requires or or suggests some kind of minimum sales volume or sales price and the answer is i have no idea but i I don't think so i don't think they they specify that they have the same requirement for return and ad spend automated bidding that they do for the other flexible bid strategies and that is at least 15 conversions per month (laughs) but in my experience that is is way too low (laughs) way too low oh yeah it's destined to fail Google also recommends something that uh, I think makes a lot of sense, which is don't knee-jerk when you see that the results are fluctuating, because they will. And that means that the conversion volume and the CPAs will fluctuate over the first week or so, maybe even two weeks, but it will settle down again, especially if there's a a high volume of conversions or sales.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting yeah, I was just looking that up on their ROAS bidding there. And yeah, that's the they do say the 15, but then they also say the, so the more data we have, the more accurate we can be. Yeah,
1: exactly. Be things.
2: So, but we won't
1: tell you what the threshold is.
2: Right, whatever that means.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kirk, since we're coming to the end of the show, I want to make sure that people know how to contact you. What's the best way that uh, listeners can contact you?
2: try to be really active on Twitter, and that might be probably about the best way. Twitter, LinkedIn, I'm PPC Kirk on Twitter, and I do try to interact with people. And if, if you have questions, definitely shoot them over on there. So,
1: Yeah, I have to tell you that it's clear to me that you neglect your work and family to uh, participate <laughs> on PPC Chat because you're always there and always helpful. You're speaking at SMX East on shopping, right? Yes. Anything after that?
2: Yeah, so let's see. I'm doing Confluence Conference in Oklahoma next week, and then SMX East is the week after that, and then State of Search in Dallas in November. So gotcha. that'll be kind of a fun one. I've I've mostly spoken on shopping this year, but Dallas is going to be kind of a an SMB making SMB PPC work, which will be a little bit interesting because I definitely think it's gotten a little bit harder, and even oh, that's yeah. been a little controversial on PPC chat over the last few months. So well, why kind of is that? Uh, well, I think there's always been this, can it work for really small, I mean, how do you even define SMB, right? That's one of it. But And then Matt Umbro wrote a post where he basically kind of drew a line in the sand, personally, I think, and said... Um, ways for really micro SMB, his suggestion is to start in Facebook ads and not paid search. And so then I think then there were some responses to that and we had a PPC chat about it. So it's been really a good figuring things out, figuring definitions out, figuring what do we all mean when we say SMB? Are we talking $500 a month spend or are we talking 5,000? Are we not even talking spend? So it's, it's just been a good, one of those good, healthy conversations where everyone's trying to figure it out and everyone's kind of learning together. So,
1: right. Yeah, that's interesting. I I agree that Facebook could be a great starting point given its great targeting capabilities, and you can obtain lower CPCs on Facebook than on Google, especially in the really really competitive professional services segments.
2: Mm-hmm. It's so cheap. I know Larry Kim is a huge proponent of it for that. I mean, it's just it is so cheap, you know, yeah. for 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 getting eyes on on ads and that. So,
1: really. hey, Kirk. It's been great having you on. I really appreciate your time and uh, your expertise. And I look forward to having you on again.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. It's been an honor. So,
1: And I'll see you in a few weeks. Yeah, sounds good. See you in New York. Okay. And listeners, thanks for hanging with us. We'll have another episode of PPC Rockstars coming up soon.